0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio.
1: If you're like me, and getting your children to eat anything that isn't white and soft can be almost impossible. Actually, I'll have to correct myself there because they will eat ice blocks, and they're hard. How do you? Keep, how do we keep them healthy when they just refuse the good stuff and just push it all to the side? And once a kid puts its their foot down. You know it can be really hard to convince them. And you also don't want to overemphasize it, right? You don't want to make them get some kind of eating disorder because of the way you talk about food. Nutrition writer, cook, author, and mum of two, Louise Fulton-Keats is here to help. Her latest book, Sweet Nourish, is a guide on how to make delicious treats for your kids that are healthy healthy. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a sceptic, Louise, I've got to say, but I am interested to know what, you, what your <laughs> thoughts are. Welcome to Kindling Conversation. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So, of course, um, you have great food heritage yourself. Um, in terms of your life growing up as a child, were you ever a broccoli refuser?
0: I think I was from a family that didn't make a fuss about food like you've just mentioned because... I don't have memories of being a broccoli refuser, but perhaps my mum <laughs> does. There is a famous story of me throwing an avocado at her, so I know that there was at least one incident. But I think uh, because our life revolved around food so much, you know, a mother who's a food writer, a grandmother who's a food writer, I- I've got family photos of me still in nappies, sitting on a beach, eating Pippi's being cooked over a fire and things wow. like that. So I think it was very much just the natural flow of our life that I was exposed to a lot of different ingredients. And I, I always advise people that it's good to start young and it's good to just expose children to a lot of different foods without making a fuss. Like you've said, not make a big deal of it. Just put it in front of them. That, that is a really great way to avoid fuss eating in the first place because we do know the biggest predictor of whether a child's going to eat a particular food or not is whether it's familiar to them. And that familiarity comes with looking at different foods, knowing what they look like, knowing the name for them, and also knowing the taste for them. So this new book that you've mentioned, Sweet Nourish, I talk all about how we can hide different foods in our baked treats. So there's a wonderful zucchini banana bread, and I've got a you know berry muffin where I grind up pepitas and sunflower seeds. These are thermomix recipes and it's great for milling your own seeds and flowers and that sort of thing makes it really easy to hide these, these foods and to make it a sweet treat that you can still feel very comfortable about your children eating. But I always say, and it's a big but, they also need to see a food in its visible form too. So if you're pureeing the cauliflower to go on the bolognese sauce, that's fantastic. It's a great way to up the nutritional value of a meal but also serve alongside a visible serving of cauliflower so that they can see it and try and incorporate the names of foods into your everyday life. So when you take your kid to the supermarket point out the pomegranate and the sweet potatoes so that it starts to break down that barrier of unfamiliarity because it's when they get to that age of two that that classic neophobia begins, that fear of new foods. So the more foods they're familiar with, the more chance you've got, because we do think it ta- takes up to about a dozen tastes before
1: a child can learn to accept a flavour. Well, so I've got really a, I've to, got to a, um, you know, the best thing about doing this show is that I can just ask really personal questions mm. that will help me in my life. <laughs> um, and I reckon the horse has bolted with my kids because particularly my daughter, who... Just, I mean, she'll occasionally eat the carrot because it's a little bit sweet or the Mm. broccoli, and I try to put it on the table as much as possible. But we've definitely made the mistake of trying to encourage her to eat, like saying, come on, you need to eat your veggies.
0: Yeah, look, they do say that if you say, you know, eat your broccoli and you can have the chocolate cake, it's actually the worst thing you can do because it backfires. What you're actually doing is making the broccoli seem even worse and the chocolate cake seem even better. So there are some golden rules you can follow. One, the biggest mistake I think most parents make, including myself, is not feeding their children when they're hungry. So, my son, who's seven, he comes home from school and I used to give him afternoon tea and then we'd sit down for dinner and, ugh, you know, even I would have my own little battles with him. So, now when he gets home from school, he gets a plate of vegetables. That's his afternoon snack and then dinner just flows from there. So picking that sweet spot, which can be very hard with a toddler and a younger child because they, you know, that sweet, that that line between hungry and then meltdown tantrum, oh, it's yeah, very, yeah. It, it, you, they it's cross it quickly. when you're cooking quickly. and
1: they're up against you saying, give me this, give yeah. me that, and you're like... <sighs> No, because you won't eat your tea. Mm. Um, And I'm I'm also curious about um, the idea of, okay, let's say there are parents out there like me who have had that parenting fail and Mm. tried to encourage by offering dessert or whatever to get Mm. them to eat their veggies. In terms of reversing that and just starting straight out, one, maybe stop snacking in the afternoon. Here's – I've got
0: five golden rules for you. Here's my five golden (laughs) rules. So I've already said number one, which is make sure your child is hungry. Don't give them a smoothie at 4.30 and expect them to eat dinner at 5.30. It's just not going to work. So you've got to build up their appetite, maybe cut back on snacking, maybe cut back on big milk drinks. So the hunger is 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 number one. Number two, don't reward food with food like we've spoken about. So don't say if you eat your peas, you can have a piece of chocolate. Just put peas in front of them don't make a big deal about it you can have a reward but it mustn't be a food reward because that's the wrong message to be sending so for an older child you might try a sticker chart so and and the, the reward is not for clearing the plate we don't want to create a generation of labradors it's just for having a try so my, the few foods that my son wouldn't eat we've made the sticker chart and I I say, you know, sometimes it takes 12 tastes before you can learn to like it. So there's 12 sticker places and there might be a little reward like a trip to the news agency to get Pokemon cards, whatever. Um, So a reward is allowed. It just can't be food. Golden rule number three is be a good role model yourself. We know that mothers are particularly important. You can predict the number of vegetables a child will eat based on the number of vegetables mum will eat.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. There's one tick for me. Yeah, so if you just keep eating a really lovely, broad, diverse,
0: healthy diet yourself and they're seeing you eat that and they're seeing you enjoy that, that goes a long way. That does count for a lot. Golden rule number four is just be persistent. Um we know about this 12 tastes, but so many parents stop at three or four. There is statistics around that. We do just give up. We as mums think, my kid is stubborn. That's it. I know they don't like strawberries. I'm going to stop buying them. I'm going to stop putting them in front of them. I say, don't see it as a waste if it's been on your child's plate. If that strawberry has sat on on the child's plate, never been touched, it still wasn't wasted. You can eat it yourself if you like. But the fact that they saw it, Uh, I should say something green is the typical example. If they've seen the green beans on their plate, even if they didn't eat them, eventually, my son has shocked me because I try and practice what I preach. So there have been lots of times that I've put food in front of him being absolutely dead sure he will never pick that up and eat it. And he has. Asparagus? (laughs) And I've just been shocked. Um, And golden rule number five is don't be strict on your child, be strict on your shopping list. So it Turns out the research says that the forbidden fruit does taste better. So if you buy the chocolates and put them in the glass jar up on the shelf and say you can't have any, guess what? Your child will want them way more. So if you don't want your child eating a particular food, keep it out of your house. Don't buy the biscuits, you know, and that way you don't have to put an end to battles. They can just eat what's in the house. Um, and it really does, you just don't want to be going to head to head to head at mealtimes. You want to keep mealtimes fun. We do know that negative associations, my husband will not eat Brussels sprouts. It doesn't matter how many gourmet ways I try and cook them. Because as a child, he wasn't allowed to leave the table until he'd eaten them. So he's got that really negative association with them. That's the worst thing. You can't leave the table until you eat them. If you don't
1: eat them tonight, I'm serving them for breakfast. That kind of Wow, coercive... I've never tried that. Oh, yeah, my that... producer's pointing to herself. It's happened to her. <laughs> yeah, look. So at... do you eat them now, Elise? I just have to ask. She doesn't eat them now no, either. No, it's,
0: it's the best way so to develop a lifetime hatred. Mm. I have a friend in her 60s who will not touch milk. It's because when she was a child, they were forced to eat drink it at school. It would be lukewarm by the time it had sat on their desk all morning. And to have to drink, she feels physically ill at the thought of milk. So, if you want your child to hate a food for the rest of their life, make force them to eat it. Except for chocolate. Except for chocolate. We know
1: that won't work. You're listening to Kindling Conversation, and I'm speaking with Louise Fulton Keats. She has a new book called Sweet Nourish um, 80 Recipes to Nourish Your Body and Soul. And what's great about it is um, it's packed full of healthy food that, um, and even on the cover, it's got these beautiful-looking puddings that do not look healthy at all. Oh,
0: they're, <laughs> they're good. Lovely. They're very good. That'd win you over for sure.
1: <laughs> now, before I let you go, um, this might be a tough one for someone who has such a wide um, variety of food in your life, but are there two or three foods that are possibly the best sort of healthier substitutes when baking or maybe even a good starting point for someone who wants to give this approach a try at home?
0: Look, there's a lot of confusion and chatter around sugar and fat at the moment and I talk about it in depth in the book. And part of the reason for that is the research is a fast-moving target, so saturated fats, you know, it, it, it is confusing scientists out there so it's no wonder that we as home cooks are confused. My uh, solution in the face of this confusion is to just get back to nature so I prefer to use natural fats over refined oils I you'll see in that book a, a chocolate avocado mousse, I would always... And actually, it's surprising that you can hardly taste the avocado. My seven-year-old loves it. So I would always prefer to use a natural fat where I can, and that you might find that in nuts and seeds or avocado or, you know, extra virgin olive oil or cold-pressed macadamia oil. Um, Those egg yolks, those healthier fats um, as a starting point for refined fats, even butter, I'd prefer to use that to say a refined canola oil, something like that. So As a starting point, get back to nature. With sugar, I would always prefer to use uh, uh, bananas or dates or apple purees or even carrots and sweet potatoes. I've got a chocolate sweet potato slice in the book, Um, always over a refined sugar, but Variety is your best bet nutritionally. So if you can just have a diversity of ingredients in your pantry and your and your fridge, that way you're not backing just one horse nutritionally. And you won't have that newspaper moment in a decade where you open the newspaper and go, you know, <laughs> X ingredient is what's killing us. You don't want to think, ah, oh, that's all I've eaten for the last 10 years. So I think if you have a lot of different foods i love to use nut meals instead of white flour so hazelnut meal almond meal if you're packing something for a kids lunchbox switching out the nut meals with ground seed meals um so you know using linseeds, sunflower seeds pepitas all of those switching them out for white flours switching white sugar with Honey and maple syrup, just occasionally. You know, there's unrefined sugars you can buy now, Rapadura sugar and panella. That is just simply evaporated cane juice. So it hasn't had the molasses stripped out of it, which is what we see with white sugar. It's less refined. Coconut sugar is another option. It's just got a lower GI. Don't think of them as some kind of superfood, these sugars. They are still sugar. They count towards our six or 12 teaspoons a day. But... um but they do have a slightly higher nutrient value. Uh, So getting back to nature, using the healthier fats, using fruit and veg in your baking wherever possible. It's really easy to put in um, zucchini, grated carrot, grated pumpkin. I've got some pumpkin donuts in the book. And they taste sweet and they taste beautiful and kids do love them. And the other thing I love about that is you're bringing... You're teaching kids about the wonder of their own kitchen. So many kids have only ever taken a muffin from a cafe or a packet. They don't even realise you can make it at home. I was at a primary school recently and I made freshly churned ice cream with the kids in the thermomix and they were shocked that you could actually make ice cream at home <laughs> and so I think what a great eye-opening thing to say to children, your favourite treats you can make them yourself you're giving them a lifetime gift if you're doing that, you're you're teaching them to cook from scratch. Michael Pollan is a wonderful food commentator and his one of his food rules is eat all the junk food you like so long as you cook it yourself <laughs> and that's what I try and teach my own kids because when you've cooked it from scratch it's just so much infinitely healthier than anything you're going to take from a packet it's a great
1: lesson for them to learn louise thank you and of course there's so much more in your book thanks so much for coming in today my pleasure that's louise fulton keats she's a nutrition writer author cook mum of two if you'd like more information about Louise's tips head along to our website we'll put a link up to the book sweet nourish our website is of course kindling.com.au you've been listening to a kindling conversation podcast